This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist with Mississippi Today. Now, with the stroke of a brush, my next guest, Egg McGowan, has impacted the world of art as a painter and a sculptor, whose work has been installed and exhibited in numerous galleries and museums and public spaces all around the globe. He's a 2023 recipient of the Governor's Arts Awards Lifetime Achievement Honor. He's also a graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi and proudly hailed from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Ed McGowan joins me today to discuss his noteworthy career, his life in New York, and how awesome it is to change his name 12 times, which I think is just, I mean, I remember one now, I got to say that uh, Jermaine has had to change her name before, and I never have changed my name. Now, I'm in witness protection, but I've never had to do that with the editorial cartoons. But um, I did change my address one time, and that was a complete pain. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this interview. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited about it. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and i be honest with you, I'm, I'm going to do this interview today kind of um, not as much with my radio hat on as much as I am as my artist hat on, because I'm a big fan of your work and of your career and I was very excited to see that you were that you received the the lifetime achievement award this year and not only that you came in with an incredibly strong class this year too with some some great folks so um congratulations right off the top thanks thank you very much I'm I'm um, I was very honored and very honored to be on this show. It's great to talk to you. Well, that's good. I hope you feel honored by the time we get done. You know, you never know. You want to set the expectations low at the beginning of the interview. But I am a fan. And like I said, you know, as somebody who's 30 years behind you on the calendar anyway, I've just loved the way your career has unfolded and structured. And it's been a wonderful combination of a little bit of luck, but an awful lot of hard work, too. And, and I guess talk a little bit about, you know, family and, and the influences, your parents. They started out in New Orleans. You were born in Hattiesburg. Then you moved to, to Alabama. But there seemed to be a lot of um, things along the way that kind of influenced you and kind of pushed you into the arts. Well, uh, that's all true. I, I went. Uh, my parents met in New Orleans during the Depression and and uh, got married, and we were I was born in Hattiesburg, but then the family moved over to Alabama for a while and then came back to Hattiesburg. Um, the The influence from the the family influence was was largely uh, my mother and her father. Her, her father, uh, a man named Albert Ratliff, uh, was sort of a entrepreneur and artist and jack of all trades. He did everything. And um, one of the things I like most about being with my grandfather, who was a, we were around each other all the time, was he was a, a professional sign painter, and he could um, he he made you know beautiful script on drugstore windows and whatever. And um, watching the watching the the words flow out of the end of his brush was was magic for a kid <laughs> so so uh watching him and knowing about his inventions and his um 
um, you know, his creativity, um, in a way, made it possible for me to to look at that as as um, as something that was a an interesting way to go through life. So um, there there was not a, an awful lot of art education or museums or galleries or anything in in Mississippi when I was a, a young boy. So uh, mother brought home books and and had magazines that she ordered so that I could see art. But uh, but most of it was I think inspired by watching my grandfather. He was he was really quite a character. That whole art form of sign painting, and you almost hate to see that it's gone, but in a way, just seeing the new murals that are popping up everywhere and seeing that kind of, in a way, come back. But I, you know, my my grandmother was a China painter, and, you know, people always say, well, did she sit down and teach you anything? It's like, uh, not that I remember, and I can't paint flowers to save my life now, but just the magic of watching her create and everything, I was like, I want to do that someday, and, and that had to be um, just a huge boost. Now, didn't he do like displays for drugstores and things like that too? He did. He was, um, you know, he was a um, a very creative guy, and he used to in drugstores. You know, back in the forties, um, uh, the, the the local drugstores. There was no Walgreens or any of those around. You know, where we lived, and and so the local drugstores would hire people in some cases to make. These um, these um, kinetic or or movable displays in their window. Oh, cool! And they would they would they were very cool, and they would be um, they would have themes. You know, like I, I can't remember anything specifically, but let's say that you'd do a little Red Riding Hood theme and make you know a, a house and a, and a, a train that ran through it with little red riding hood and on and on and on you know very very interesting stuff and it was all handmade hand painted and it was all mechan- the, the the mechanics of it which was really rube goldberg wonderful um that that was what fascinated me a great deal because they all they had to work you know, they couldn't right. break down. They would work. They would go in the window, and they would stay there until the the drugstore decided to change that and go to something else. That's incredible. Did any of those pieces ever survive? Do you have any of his work? I do not, and it's and I don't have anything that he made. Oh wow! Um, which is just you know heartbreaking. But at the time, um, I, I was I was more or less a grown man before I really thought about being an artist seriously and uh, I mean I used to do the decorations for stuff and that, you know that sort of stuff but uh, but I didn't think about it as a career I was supposed to I, w- I was supposed to go to Annapolis and and uh, my roommate went to Annapolis and didn't come back so I'm I'm glad I didn't go there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like literally you went to like prep school, you were thrown in a bunch of engineering and everything, and apparently you discovered pretty quickly that being a soldier wasn't a thing for you. It wasn't going to work out, you know. Or a sailor. And, and not, yeah, not, yeah not, not that I didn't try. I mean, I tried very hard. I was just no good at it. And um, and I say my good friend uh, that I roomed with uh, became a fighter pilot. And, oh, wow. Uh, and 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 didn't make it back it was he he did come back actually but um but died shortly after that so so um nevertheless the you know the, the opportunities to consider art were pretty much zero when i was a kid 
And um, so I loved watching watching what my grandfather did and taking that as a clue. Well, that's the thing that amazed me about your story. And I'm sitting here, you know, listening to you say there, you know, the Lauren Rogers Museum was about the only thing that was there, you know, in Mississippi at the time. And now when you think about how many museums we've got in the state and the Mississippi Museum of Art, of course, they have a big collection of your work now, but they're fantastic. And it's just it's kind of neat to see how far we've come in the state when it comes to appreciation of art as well. It really has. It is absolutely miraculous. I mean, if if New York came as far as Mississippi came in that that period of time, it would be no room for anybody else, because um, as much as much art is available in in New York when compared to none in Mississippi or relatively none in Mississippi, um, it really has made an enormous advance and. Uh, and all of the all of the artists that I know there that that um, that I knew and work with Bill Dunlap and 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 uh, uh, Keith Francis Thornton Willis uh, Jennifer Torres down at Mississippi Southern and thousands more um, are really working on very you know very interesting high class high top drawer pieces so uh, so it, it's um, it, it, I think, I think, being an artist in Mississippi is a whole different um, option now, and um, and and it's it's uh, not not the least of that is the the untrained artist. I mean, the artists that uh, that um, you know the commonly called folk artists. Uh, those people are are that's the the richest source of of that work that you can just about anywhere you can find. and um, Yeah, I know you and, and your wife, Claudia, have collected that for, throughout the years, and you made a huge donation of, of your folk art collection as well. And it's just such great storytelling that you see with their work. Oh, it is. Truly is, yeah. It's just great. I'm, you know, I'm, I think uh, I think an awful lot of us, I mean, we were, when I was at the University of Alabama in graduate school, and one of our professors uh, trained us on that. He took us to see folk artists, you know, and then saw the relationship between that and expressionism and so forth. So that was that was um, that's that's good stuff there. So when you were at you were at Southern Miss or at at the time, um, you thought, well, since I've got the engineering background, I'll do the math. But you one day found your way into the art department. and And obviously we would not be talking right now if you had not done that. Right. Um, you obviously have had some wonderful mentors and, and people that have influenced your style and, and, and how you do the job. Because one thing about being an artist, there's just so many different paths you can take. And, and I don't know about you, but I mean, literally, I kind of just kind of cobbled a little bit here and there. From I mean, my mentor is 93 years old, and he, he just got laid off from being a cartoonist a couple of years ago, you know, and he's still drawing. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I've completely ripped off his career because, I mean, he just, he, you know, he knew how to do it right and was a cartoonist right. up in Knoxville. So um, talk about that a little bit and about the people that you've encountered along the way that have helped shape you and helped form your, your career. Well, um, first, my grandfather's, I yeah. went on about a little bit, but then uh, I had a, a wonderful professor at, at USM, um, um a man named Vernon Merrifield, and Vernon was was teaching uh, applied art. He was teaching, you know, um, 
actually lettering and sign painting and and layout and you know design and all those things that were necessary to be a, a commercial artist or an applied artist and that's that was my entry that's where i went that's what i went to study and uh, and vernon um for a number of us um you know a lot of people i know um would would guide you and and um he sent i don't know how many of us over to Tuscaloosa where he had gone to graduate school to to study over there and um constant um support constant you know encouragement um terrific teacher i mean he really he could get the most out of anybody and um so Vernon was was critical, and I think Thornton Willis would say the same, and and a number of others. But but um, beyond that, uh, at the University of Alabama, um, in 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 the graduate program, there's an artist named Mel Price, and Mel Price was um, among a group that the chairman of the department, Theodore Klitsky brought down um, to teach at the University of Alabama. And and frankly, largely, he, he recruited these artists to come down and teach uh, for civil rights reasons. He was, they were, they were plugged into the civil rights uh, effort. And uh, Mel Price was a New Yorker. Um, he was an abstract expressionist. And he had shared a studio with Franz Klein, who was you know, one of the big ten abstract expressionists of that previous period. So, so Mel was—he um, was a, a great inspiration too. I mean, he he could talk with authority about about art and and the artists that he had worked with and knew. And the artists they'd get drunk together at the Cedar Bar and all that stuff too, which was very interesting. And and uh, so. So Mel Price was um, was for me uh, again, you know, t- talking to Mel Price and h- hearing his stories and getting a very human sort of introduction to to art on the level that I was working in in graduate school. Um, it, it made it possible, you know. I mean, I think if Mel Price hadn't been a very open and very you know, very interesting and supportive person. Um, you might think, well, what am I? I'm not going to do this. You know, this would be out of the question. Um, right. It's just, you know, yourself. I mean, it's the odds are not are not great. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know. I mean, yeah, I'll have a young student come and say, I want to be a cartoonist. Oh, good luck, you know. But I mean, really? but but you know, also too, I kind of give them a way to be able to do it, you know. And it's like, and now there's with the internet, it's a different thing. Your sure. journey from, you know, Hattiesburg to to Tuscaloosa and then on is is fascinating, and it seems like, um, you know, there's a lot of fate that was lined up there and everything else. But at the end of the day, you just did the work, and it really, well, it's a great story. It is a lucky, a lot of luck. A lot of luck and a lot of work, and definitely great work at at that. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and I'm back with the 2023 recipient of the Governor's Arts Award Lifetime Achievement Honor and also award-winning artist, Ed McGowan. Ed, thank you so much for taking the time today. How are things up in New York? I know there's been a bit of flooding up north of y'all today. and so. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, mm. we're getting our share. Well, it's um, good. We're, you get, we're sending you a little Mississippi weather then. Okay. All right. I know I, Mississippi weather up here is, you know, the people, come, they say they can't, you know, I don't know how you live in, the, in a place with that humidity and that da-da-da-da. And I said, listen, I grew up between the Leaf and Bowie River. This is this is not hard, and uh, and there's, there's no place hotter than Manhattan in the summertime. You know, it. I mean, 90, 90, 95 degrees in Manhattan is is really you're in an oven. So yeah, those those buildings are like charcoal briquettes almost. Really, they're tough. They really. T- are you from Texas? Uh, no, I'm from Georgia originally. I went to school in Tennessee, then lived in Texas. I lived in Conroe, Texas, near Houston, which was like living under a tongue. And then moved out to San Diego, which was like amazing paradise. And I said, you know, I'm really tired of this great weather, so I moved to Mississippi 27 years ago. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy. Well, that's a, you've had a, a real diet of different taste. Uh, yeah, you sounded so much like somebody I knew from Texas. I, I, oh wow! I, I would I would have bet you grew up in Dallas. You know. I thought. Oh, wow, that's that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no, there's a very hot place. Yeah, no, Dallas is, is super hot, to say the least. No, you know, yeah. I, I was out in San Diego, fantastic job, and then I thought, you know, if I'm going to be an editorial cartoonist, I need to go someplace where the politics are really perfect for being an editorial cartoonist. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so. That's very interesting. It was a good, that was a good choice. It was a good say. move. Yes, it was. And I, I love how you ended up going from – Tuscaloosa to Washington, D.C. And I would have never thought that moving to Washington would have been literally like somebody cracking open the door of your career in the art scene. But it just seemed to be you hit it just the right time when arts was really exploding up there, right? That's well, you're right. I mean, timing is everything. And, and when I arrived, um, uh, the um, the color field school was was emerging so the you know the the famous uh, Morris Lewis and Gene Davis and Howard Merrigan all that that group um, were were just beginning to get a good deal of attention and coincidentally it's about the same time that the National Endowment for the Arts started and that was based in Washington and uh, they were giving away all the money so. So Washington was getting a lot of attention, not not only because of the art, but also because of the National Endowment. And uh, everybody came through Washington, to, you know, to look for grants and meet people and so forth. So it, it was good timing and and a total accident. Yeah, because you weren't. I mean, weren't you weren't going up there as an artist? You were going to work for a congressman, right? Exactly. I, yeah, that's right. I was going to go be a flunky for con- congressman. Uh, William Calmer, who was at the time was one of the most, if not the most, um, powerful congressman in in the House of Representatives. He was chairman of the Rules Committee, so you couldn't get any legislation on the floor. You couldn't pass any bills or anything without going through his committee, and um, and he he got a lot of um, you know he 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 used that leverage, and uh, I think we can. You know, thank him for those shipbuilding places down in on the Gulf Coast and the highways and a lot of other stuff, and um, and that was a fluke. That was uh, my mother, who was a was a secretary for one of the the big supporters for the congressman, overheard the the congressman talking to her boss, and he said, uh, 
you know, I, I wanted to give this, this guy, actually one of my classmates, I wanted to give him the opportunity to come and work in Washington. We have this job. It's a patronage job. You know, it's, it's not, not difficult and, and, uh, he'll get great experience and whatnot. And, uh, he had other plans, so he turned it down, and now I've got to fill this this spot, you know, very quickly. And my mother said, "I know somebody that would go." <laughs> and, like a good I, mom should, yes. Really, yeah. She stepped up, and and uh, at the t- at the moment, I was actually teaching at USM, taking taking you know covering somebody else who was who was taking a leave, and uh, and and had an infant baby, and so. Uh, so the uh, the school let me out of my contract, and I went to you know went up to Washington like the Beverly Hillbillies. It was really you know a whole new new world. I just had just an image of uh, somebody sitting on the back of the truck when the rocking chair when you were up there and ever going up there as well. How were you received when you went up there? Because I mean you know I mean I always get people don't think I'm from Texas when I show up somewhere usually, but they're like. You're from you're from the South, aren't you? Did you kind of get right. that? You do you get that kind of impression when you get up there? Without a doubt, um, and and fortunately for me, Washington is really a Southern city. Um, that is true. And and, and at the time, uh, the Democrats were very much in control. Um, they, um, you know, the John Kennedy era, and um, and so. You know, most of the people that ran things up there, or a great many of them, were were Southern uh, politicians who had been voted back in year after year after year, and and therefore had a lot of um, seniority and ran the big committees and everything. And and uh, so I was I was pretty comfortable in Washington, and and was accepted, uh, you know, almost instantly. I I did my first exhibition. Um, was at the Corcoran Gallery of Art there, which is a big gallery. That's yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And like a, like, a, like a country hick I was, I just walked in and said, well, I'd like to have an exhibition. They said, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite like that, but pretty much. And uh, so that was, that was great. Well, obviously you, know, you had a pretty good portfolio along with you. You were doing primarily painting at that point, weren't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was a, a painter and sort of following Mel Price's, um, his philosophy of painting. And um, I did. I had a, a, a huge roll of paintings that I had produced, you know, over two or three year period. Yeah, I mean, you, you, like that's the thing. I mean, we do talk about luck a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, anybody that wants to be an artist, it's really truly about doing the work, and then the luck will show up. But you were just incredibly prolific during that time. You still are, busy and, yeah, and very busy, and you and, and and very lucky at the same time, which is not bad. No, no doubt, no doubt. And um, they, you know, Washington, Washington was not a was not a big gallery scene. Um, they, they were, the commercial galleries were almost non-existent in Washington. And, um, the, the, uh, a Cuban, uh, guy that saw some of my art and bought a, bought a, a picture, um, introduced me to a woman up there who, her name was Henri. She was known as Henri. And she had a gallery over in Virginia, over in Alexandria, Virginia, in Old Town Alexandria. 
and um, very much out of the way, you know. I mean, people had to, you know, make a trip to get to Alexandria. And uh, and the basis for the gallery, the the, the front for the gallery was selling uh, um, not new clothes, vintage clothes, you know, old clothes. And uh, and and I was just amazed. I thought, I mean, she was, you know, she was selling all these dead man clothes. I called them, you know. <laughs> she, she had she had, you know, jackets and slacks, whatever, you know. In this little little townhouse there, and um, and I, I didn't I couldn't figure it out. And she had a teeny gallery in the back of all that, um, but it was it was a hot spot in in that area. I mean, everybody went to her gallery and CR and so forth. Uh, but I I discovered later that Henri's secret to success was that she um, she kept a book that that had all the notables in Washington had their names, particularly the women. And um, and any time there was, a, you know, at the end of every season, like Mamie Eisenhower couldn't, she couldn't wear the same ball gown, you know, twice in a row. She'd have an expensive gown, designer gown, and she'd wear it once and then put it aside. And so Henri worked out a uh, an arrangement where she would get in touch with the with the people that had had been um you know to all the big events and they would give her their clothes and she knew people all over the US that she thought would be interested in it and and it would fit you know it was the right size and all that and she she'd get on the phone and sell Mamie Eisenhower's ball gown to somebody in California. You know that is incredible. It is yeah. incredible. I mean, she so knew marketing. Art, yeah, I mean, she was a great marketer. Really great. I mean, she was. Yeah, she was the widow of a of a guy of a I think of a colonel that had been over at the Pentagon in his last years. And and uh, but anyway, she had this remarkable you know ability. And remarkable uh, concept, and uh, and she took that to um, put it together and made the gallery, and then eventually dropped that part of it and moved over to D.C. and had a nice, you know, a big space and everything over there, and and handled just about all of the the interesting Washington artists at one time or another. So a big part of, obviously, the art scene in Washington and anywhere else is just creating the relationships and being able to make the connections. And you were doing that early. I mean, you, you did that pretty early on Washington. And I know that wasn't the only thing you were doing. You were, of course, working the congressional job. You tried your hand at, a, at a, an art school, I believe, as well. And um, yeah. yeah, and it, like, yeah. we'll bring that that's up quickly. A, that's yeah, a kind way, that's a kind way to put it. I well, thank you. I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to get through that real quick because I know that probably still stings a little bit after all these years. But really, yeah, no, I, that, yeah, my art school didn't 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 last very long, but um, it served its purpose. Well, it should have. See, now you should have just yeah. been sold used, you know, dead man's clothes out front, and you could have probably made a fortune. That's right. That's what I should have been doing. I yeah. was selling dead man's clothes. Dead man's clothes. That is the funniest thing. And I will never be able to look in a secondhand clothes shop and not think about that. Thank you for uh, <laughs> planting that little seed into my brain. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, Andre had a, had an idea and was able to do something 
that was unique that ended up doing well. And I thought about that time, was that about the time that you came up with the idea of doing the different personalities to be able, like a, a writer writing and, and coming from a different direction to be able to, because I think that's one absolutely one of the most brilliant ideas that I've heard from an artist is just to be able to create art from all kinds of different viewpoints. Well, you know, I, uh, it, it was an it was an idea that, you know, that the, the germs of that idea were in, in graduate school and yeah. then, you know, it evolved and evolved and, and, um, and I, um, I, 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 I tried to, um, or I did, um, sort of commit to it, um, by going through that legal name change process where the a very good friend of mine who was a, a lawyer would would file um a a petition to change my name about every 6 weeks it takes about 6 weeks to to run the proper ads in the in the local papers and all that you know and um and and so he would file these petitions and I had given him a list of names, and the 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 whole idea was that you described it exactly as that um, I intended to to work in a sort of a a spherical form. Um, if if you would imagine a a balloon getting bigger and bigger, um, so that. As I added on to the balloon at different places for Thornton Dossett or Alva Foster, whoever I was working with that day, um, it just got bigger and bigger. Uh, as opposed to the to the linear process, which was terrific. I mean, a great artist. You know, I, I didn't uh, I didn't find anything wrong with it. it. Just wasn't good for me, but. But the linear process, where one idea sort of begets the next idea, and there's a logical development, I think it's the logical part that scared me. <laughs> so uh, sounds like engineering school all over again, right? Really, yeah. So, uh, so I, I came up with these twelve legal names, and and I've you know been working pretty hard uh, uh, since then, you know, and creating work under. Um, under each each of these personas uh, concepts, because they each one had their own point of departure and concept uh, that I was trying to make fit into the to the um, you know to, to the development of art, and um, these these artists uh, were you know to some degree or or not were. Interesting. Uh, I think one of them's dead because he he hadn't made anything in twenty five years. Yeah, but. that would be Nathan Ellis McDuff. Now that guy's a deadbeat, right? And, and I was I right. saw Oh Freedom. I saw your your portrayal of all the different characters, and he looks sketchy. He really does, and I and I can tell he you know. <laughs> so I I'm not real surprised that he you know either is like you said passed away or he's just completely not doing anything worthwhile now because all the others look, right. looked very you know I could see them creating some great art but yeah Macduff not so much well yeah well, it, 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 you know he just he just didn't he just didn't appear again you know I mean who knows um, <laughs> I had to, I had a I had an acquaintance, or not an acquaintance, but a man I knew who was, I thought, a fabulous artist. He's really one of the most interesting young artists that, that I was in contact with. And um, 
and uh, as they say now, uh, he was on the spectrum, and um, and his art was was spectacular, but socially he was he was all he was totally incompetent. He he just you know he he, he was handicapped, and he really he couldn't uh, you know he couldn't deal with the the. Uh, the social part of it, or the you know the other part of it, besides just making the art, and um, and he dropped out, and and it's always bothered me a lot. I, yeah. I wish I wish I could you know find see how to find him some way, but I hadn't done it. Yeah, and, and, and I, I'd say I'm not real surprised. I've known a lot of cartoonists over the years that have kind of been the same way. They, you know, they were socially awkward probably as kids, and that was their way of having friends. You know, hey, look at me, I, I'm, I can draw this, and really? so forth yeah, on that. I, and uh, you know, it's surprising that people are like, Marshall, you you actually are comfortable talking to people. What's going on? I was like, well, you know, I know if I'm going to have to live off of my drawings alone, I'm probably going to starve. So I have to kind of figure out some other things, but. Um, yeah, that's 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 fascinating on that. And and like I said, you being able to have that freedom and you've been like started in 1969, somewhere in that range. So you've been doing it for yeah, a long time. Yeah, that's about yeah, that's about when they when the you know, when I started to formalize the process and, and um, I had a, I had an exhibition of, uh, about it in, at the Baltimore Museum um, and um they fired the curator. Oh, really? <laughs> no way. That was a comment. You know, that was the answer to that. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, but the, um, but the, but but that name change, you know, has served me well. And, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not. I don't recommend it for anybody else necessarily. But that, for me, I've I've found that that works. It, Do you know how many times you could have been drafted into the Vietnam War? I mean, I'm just sitting here looking over the names. <laughs> You're lucky that you didn't get drafted at least six or seven times. Well, I know, but you know, married guy with a kid that in those days that was they weren't drafting people like me. Yeah, that was gold, I guess, at that point. <laughs> So, uh, so the the um, recently, just just in the last uh, year or two, uh, these artists are now so old that they have grandchildren. Uh, you know, Thornton Thornton Dossett. Uh, Thornton Dossett had a son. Um, don't know much about him, but he eventually had a son with his wife. So Thornton Dossett's grandson somehow was in contact with Alva Faust, who had a son, but then Alva's son produced a daughter. And Alva's daughter married Thornton's son. So now the combination of... of um, Alva Dossett, they're they're. Um, you mix their styles. What? The, that's right. So that's so right cool. now I'm working on some work for Alva Dossett that involves things that I've been experimenting with and working on for the last fifty or sixty years. Okay, that is and, that is incredibly fantastic. You're listening now. You're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm with Ed McGowan. He's the 2023 Lifetime Achievement Governor's Arts Award winner this year. Um, and like like I said before, you went in with a great class this time with some some great artists. You mentioned Key before you were in with him. 
Uh, Betsy Bradley, of course, with the Art Museum, Ralph Eubanks, just just talent, talent, talent. But none more deserving than you. Congratulations on that. And we were talking a little bit about the 12 different names that you went for that time. And I love that you had a lawyer, number one, to help you with that. And every six weeks, you would change. Um, I was just thinking about that. Did you, like, change your car title and all that stuff, too, uh, at the same no. time? Okay, because you knew you were going to go back to yourself eventually. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, I was. I had. I was going to close the circle, and 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 I mean, you know, don't don't try this without checking it. But I don't. I think you can have as many legal aliases as, as you choose to. Oh, that's helpful. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm married. Yeah. That might be useful, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. My wife just heard that, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> Never mind. Um, right. So, so the, uh, you know, so. But I did have it done legally, and, right. and, uh, and the attorney that um, that did it had been David Smith, the sculptor David Smith's attorney. Oh, that's cool! It before the Supreme Court, which uh, so he was he was very informed about art and everything. Anyway, he was terrific, and and um, and it, it made a I think it made a big difference. He gave the whole pro, you know the whole process some yeah. gravitas that it wouldn't have had if I had you know you know just been doing that privately and not not you know not not legalizing it somehow well i think too that you've put so much effort into creating stories behind the lives of each one and i love now like you said you got their grandchildren getting married or having kids together and then their talents mixing and so forth and i'm sure that the grandchildren are watching their grandparents the same way you watched your grandfather that's right yeah, and and my children. I have two daughters down in in San Antonio, Texas, and they have one of them has three children. So I have three grandchildren now that are grown, and and uh, I should be a great grandfather by now. Before, but um, so far not. Uh, so no pressure, it, it, though, right? It moves on. Yeah, no, no pressure. Well, right. let me ask you this, because I get asked this all the time. And, and just for the record, my three boys, none of them draw. They're all very creative, but none of them have any art talent. And my wife's an art teacher. I don't know what happened, but that's okay. Do, that you, do you have that in your family? Do you have it down? Because my mom was an art teacher and my grandmother was an artist. So, I mean, there's there's a line of it. But in yours, do your kids have artistic ability? Do your grandchildren have artistic they ability? They do. Uh, my that's oldest cool. daughter is a... Is a um, is a, a very competent painter, very you know, very good painter, and uh, and uh, she is had you know has put the brush down from time to time to raise kids and that sort of thing. But now that the kids are grown, she's I, I see some she's working again and and it's making beautiful things. And uh, my youngest daughter, Jill, um, is is extraordinary writer i mean she yeah. writes beautifully beautifully and so so both of them have their their um areas of creative work and and both of them are very good and i'm very proud of them uh, the grandkids are good uh, you know one of them is a musician and uh, uh and the other one is is a gifted businessman which i think is a better idea really yeah i mean <laughs> yeah I, I know it's i think my dad kind of hoped i went that direction too so um right how did you end up in New York? I mean, because I know there's, I mean, Washington, obviously you had a pretty good thing going, but obviously New York and, and you live in Soho, um, right. which I will say probably your neighborhood's a wee bit different now than it was when you first moved to New York. My shopping center, you mean? Yeah, yeah. and I was about to say, because the last time I went up there, like you said, it is now retail center of the universe. It really is. That's what's going on here. And, uh, and um, 
I, I, I went to New York. I had an opportunity, to, uh, another, you know, fluke, good opportunity. Um, uh, when my, my first marriage broke up, and uh, sadly, and uh, and uh, so I was, you know, on the loose, as I say, and and I got an opportunity to live in Paris for a year, and um, I was given a studio. And I had had a successful exhibition, so I had a little money. And um, so I moved to Paris and uh, and had a, a very good time and learned a lot, I guess. Um, but when I came back to Washington from Paris, um, Washington was not, you know, didn't have didn't have the same charm as, as Paris. That is <laughs> so true. I, so after you know after after a brief turn in Washington again I decided I would I would go to New York and see what that was like and so I've been here pretty much um you know we, my wife and I uh, who is a New Yorker I have a mixed marriage met a guy a guy from Mississippi and and a woman from Astoria Queens it's like we're from two different universes and and uh and that's been fun and so we you know we're living now between New York and Miami, and I have a studio. We both have studios. She's an artist. Just had a terrific exhibition that sold out three editions of sculpture. So she's she's um, going to be hard to live with for a while. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but she's a great artist, and uh, so we're. Uh, we both have studios in here in in New York and work here and uh, uh, for, at the same place for the last forty five years actually and uh, but we have another place down in Miami and a, and a studio down there so uh, so that's becoming uh, you know we spend a lot of time in Miami and during COVID you know everything every everything was crazy and you you know oh, yeah. sure New York was terrible yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, boy, they had bodies in body bags on the street in parts of New York, and and uh, so having Miami uh, as a refuge really worked out very nicely. And um, so we're we're down there. So anyway, that's the story. You know, it was Washington, Paris, New York. Yeah. And um, and at my age, being in. Um, that you know, when they said you get the the lifetime achievement award, <laughs> a bell really went off. <laughs> You're like, oh wait a minute, I've gotten older. What's going on here? So really, right? I know it. You know, it's not over yet, guys. Hang on there. Well, that's the thing. But, uh, I mean, you're you're producing. It was like talking with Key. You know, I mean, he's he's cranking out some of his best work ever. You're out there. You're still working really hard too. But I know that had to mean a lot to you to get that phone call. From from, oh, it was, from Mississippi. It was, it was the most. It was the most. It was a big surprise, and 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 one of the certainly, without a doubt, you know, one of the most important moments for me. In fact, it was when I was asked. Everybody was asked to, you know, give two minutes, and when I got behind the podium, and and you know that eighty-five years of memories started to flash across. <laughs> you know my 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 mind uh i got very emotional it was really yeah I, I thought i was going i thought i was going to have to I, I didn't think i was going to get through it you know i thought i was going to have to step down 
but um, I mumbled enough to get two minutes, and and uh, it was a very emotional and very, very, you know, very big honor for me. And very well deserved. And like I said, you've you, you know, this is coming from a guy who literally has stuff in not only in the major museums, but also in corporate headquarters and so forth too, and public uh, public art exhibits as well. So you've. Um, you've had an amazing career, and I, I think that's beautiful that Mississippi recognized that. Yeah, I'm, well, it's, it's deeply appreciated, I, yeah, I must say. And, uh, and you know, some of the most uh, creative people, I love that, that newspaper ad. Somebody took out a newspaper because Mississippi is always at the very bottom of the reading scores in all the public schools. You know, it's always you know, traditionally the last or next to last or you know thank god for alabama something like that but but um somebody put a a full page ad in the new york times (laughs) said uh we may not be able to read but we sure can write and listed all the great literature that's come from mississippi and it was quite a list you know it was really impressive well that's what makes the governor's arts award that much better because you're in the company of of giants and you're a giant yourself we have two minutes uh what advice would you give to an up-and-coming artist right now i know the world has changed a lot since you started out and now we have ai and all that crazy stuff thrown out there but what advice would you give to a um a young man or young woman who is sitting down to try to to create a path like you've created well you know i I am so out of it as a, you know, um, I, I, I couldn't give any advice about anything current. I'm, you know, I wouldn't dare because I'm just not, not um, you know, there are people who are much better at that than I am. But, but I think that, the, you know, the, the, the only thing that really matters is, it, is if, um, if you like doing it, you know, um, just somehow work out any way that you can. Um, I had thought of being a fireman. I thought that would be a great job for an artist, you know. And, yeah. uh, and I didn't I didn't be a fireman. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that. But um, um, but find a way to, to make ends meet and find a way to be comfortable and happy, uh, as whatever that is, and... Um, uh, and it, just make what you make, but keep an eye. Do it strategically. Keep an eye on on your place in if not if if keeping an eye on your place in history is is too big a um, a leap. Keep an eye on your place in the in the in the current movements and and what you how you fit into it and how you relate to it and. What sort of a contribution can you make to to what's being done, um, you know, by others? And um, and I think that you know, with any with a lot of luck, things things will work out. Uh, and I would recommend them Google Ed McAllen too. <laughs> well, I I don't I guess yeah I guess they can, there's some stuff on Google. Yeah, a couple things. I, yeah, I saw a couple of your pictures, so. Hey, this has been this has been a real pleasure. I thank you so much for taking the time today. It's just fun to get to to meet you and get to talk to you. It's my pleasure. I must say, and I look forward to seeing some of your stuff, which I'm I'm on the computer right now. It's easy enough to find. Got to love the Google machine. It's really good stuff. So it really is. 
this. Well, you all stay right. dry. Good talking to you, and I hope to catch right. up with you again soon. All right. I want to yeah. thank all of you for listening, and a special thanks to our guest, Ed McGowan, for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB Public Media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio, and with each episode and podcast produced by the incredible, wonderful, and fantastic Jermaine Flood. Join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Y'all have a great week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.